It's time for the Drive Stop 4 at 4. Welcome back. Hour number two of the drive underway here on Fan Run Radio. Send things back to the White Claw. Art Seltzer Studios, Marcus Young with the top four at four. Marcus, hit it. Thank you, Russell. At number one, we have seven Tennessee football players who have been invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. We have quarterback Hendon Hooker, wide receivers Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, offensive tackle Darnell Wright, edge rusher Byron Young, linebacker Jeremy Banks, and punter Paxton Brooks. Yeah, the punter. Getting an invite to the combine. Did not see that one coming. Where pun are you, Russ? What do you want? Yeah, well, I guess so. <laughs> not a, he he was he kind of struggled at times this year too. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, I'd be anybody, of... You guys surprised the no Jerome Carvin on that list? A little bit. Yeah, but he'll have a good uh pro day here in Knoxville. Like he's yeah. he's a guy that when it comes to offensive linemen. Like a lot of guys are willing to take out, take a chance on some of those guys with their size and everything, because you never know. I've yeah, always heard the other thing about the combine is if 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 you're not, if you don't have like joint soreness before the combine, you definitely will after it. Just all the physical exams. Who was the last Tennessee player I'm trying to think that went to the combine? I, it's been a while. Uh, it hadn't been that long. Really. No, I th- yeah, I think we had three last year. I'm just total brain. Uh, did Cade not go to the combine? Yeah, Cade went to the combine. I'm pretty sure Valus did. Yeah, Valus did for sure. Yeah, who else? Um, did Palmer? Well, he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've had. I think we. I feel like we've had like one or two, even during the the darkest. There might have been only a year or two where we didn't have any. I'll, even I'll in our. Darkest, darkest days. hour we were able to oh um uh alante taylor yeah went last year yeah well, i'll trust you uh, you've never led me the wrong way before russ huh, at, the first time for everything my friend <laughs> at number two uh lebron i'll mention it today lebron breaks kareem abdul jabbar's nba scoring record last night Hitting a 14-foot fadeaway jumper in the third. Uh, one thing, Russ, that you pointed out on Twitter, phones were everywhere. Yeah. Have you seen that picture, Bear? Uh, I don't believe so. There's a picture. I, I posted it earlier this morning of LeBron. like It's taken from behind him as he's arching back to shoot the the shot that put him over the top, and you can see the entire crowd behind the backboard, everybody, not talking like every other person, everybody had their phone out, film videoing the shot. It's like that episode of Black Mirror, if you've ever seen that, where, you know, there people are following that girl around yeah. in, the, in that town. Just everybody's got their phone out. It's it's almost kind of creepy in a way. And, and I'm not, you know, I, know, I, I probably would have, been trying to get my own video of it too if, if i were there but it's just I, weird i've seen well there's three people that you can see in the picture there's phil knight and there's two ladies behind him and then i saw another picture of you know like it was like a 12 13 year old boy he's somewhere in there and he's just watching it and 
I mean, that's why it, it's, it's one of the things like I hate about going to concerts nowadays. And so I mean, nobody watches anymore. They're too busy filming. Uh, I tell you what, uh, the the last concert I went to at the Tennessee Theater a couple of weeks ago, they had the ushers out in force. And like if you took your phone out, they were on you, told you to put that thing away. Yeah. And if you go to a stand-up comedy show now, because they're so paranoid about uh, people leaking stuff, uh, stand-up comics are, that like the I went to see Tom Segura at the Tennessee Theater last year. And when you're walking in to the theater, they've got the ushers outside saying, no phones allowed. Keep your phone in your pocket. If you take your phone out, it's, you're not going to be asked. You're going to be removed from the show. Like we're kicking you out. Yeah. You get down to your seat and every other seat on the, you know, uh, has on the back of it a sign says no phones allowed. The guy comes out before the MC says, listen, here's the deal. No phones. You take your phone out. You're gone. No questions asked. And, you know, that was kind of cool because like nobody, nobody took their phone out. It was, it was kind of old school and people had to, you know, be in the moment, pay attention, look at things. Yeah. (laughs) refreshing you've paid all that money to go to most of this stuff it's just just silly to me at number three uh christian mccaffrey feels the 49ers had the nfc title quote stolen from them by the quarterback injuries the 49ers running back mccaffrey is still upset about how the championship game played out Appearing on the Up and Adams show with Kay, uh, McA- uh, Kay Adams, excuse me, said that playing without a healthy quarterback feels like something got stolen from you. The issue that he has, to jump to the main point, is he wants the NFL to be able to allow having a third healthy quarterback. Mm. That, I've heard a lot of that. That you could have an opportunity to go to another emergency quarterback instead of having to go to an injured Purdy who couldn't play after he got hurt the first time. You know what I'd say to that? You've got 53 roster spots. You can use them however you want. Yeah. Like if, if you want a third quarterback, you can, you can do that as the rules are set up now. Um, I, I just think the, the word stolen like st- stands out there. I'm not coming down McCaffrey. I, I would feel have some sour grapes too, because you know, that, that made that game not as entertaining as it should be. I think the Eagles would have won anyway, personally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they definitely did not have much of a chance once Purdy got hurt. Yeah, but I will add that, uh, you know, it's kind of on them. What What's the, the guy's name from the Eagles? I can't, I'm just blanking on his name, the edge rusher. Um, ha- was it Haddock? Yeah, that they couldn't block. So yeah. it, was, it was a matter of time. I don't care if he had four quarterbacks. He was just going to keep hammering him all Excuse day. Excuse me, Reddick. Reddick. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. I mixed his name together. Yeah, no, so there was originally a rule that from 1991 to 2010 allowed teams to keep an extra quarterback active on game day without him counting towards the 45-player roster limit. Uh, but the NFL ended that in 2011 and said opting to increase the size of a game day roster from 45 to 46. So, I, I don't know, like – what what other quarterback would they have had on the roster that could have made a difference yeah. anyway? I mean, they had, you know, no offense to Josh Johnson, but yeah, you were down to number four. It's yeah. just unfortunate. And finally, at number four, the Tennessee men's basketball team will take on Vanderbilt tonight 
7 on the SEC Network at Memorial Gymnasium down in Nashville. Ten-point favorite for Tennessee. Yeah, that number seemed high to you guys. A little bit. I don't uh, know anymore, I'm, to be honest with you. Like, every time hard, I – Yeah, because every yeah, time I see it when it comes to these this team, like, what was it against uh, Florida was like six points, and I was like, oh, that would be easy. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. So, I, it's hard for me to say anymore when it comes to basketball. Yeah, I don't have a great track record with these things either. We'll talk to Lucas Widespread Panzeca from 104.5 The Zone and Titans Radio in Nashville coming up here in just a few moments. So um, we'll get his take on what the vibes are like coming out of Music City this afternoon on that one. Thank you, Marcus. NBA trade deadline is 3 p.m. tomorrow. Well, I'm sure we'll and, definitely be seeing well, some I, stuff. With that going. being said, uh, Jake Fisher on Twitter just put out. Who's Jake with? He's a senior in, NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. Uh, Boston has been has been exploring the combined outgoing value of Danilo Gallinari and Peyton Pritchard uh, Celtic ser- as a Celtic search for center reinforcements. Two names of big men that match that outgoing salary. I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, Jacob Polt. And Mo Bamba. Mm. We'll see if uh, Grant Williams is on the move, as has been speculated. Be an interesting pickup for them. Told reporters today that Arkansas freshman Nick Smith Jr. has recently returned to practice. He has not played since December 17th. Five star freshman was averaging 13 points per game at the time of his injury. So that's that's, that's pretty cool, Bear, that uh, Arkansas is waking up, figuring things out, and is getting their lottery pick back healthy here just in time to play Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Meg, Arkansas is dangerous, man. That guy's a good coach. They just had some really uh, rough luck to start the season with the injuries and and everything. But, yeah, they're they're going to be a handful. I mean, you heard TJ. Those, those guys are super athletic, and they got the kid. Uh, what's his name? With uh, I think he's got alopecia. Is it Wal- is Walsh? Walsh? Yeah, that kid's incredible. Is he? Didn't do I, much when what I was watching last night. He did the, when I was watching. Their guards are really good. I, I tell you what. What else is interesting about uh, from the Kentucky perspective is Sheboy was a non-factor last night for them. I mean, talk yeah. about the reigning Naismith player of the year, like just doing nothing. Seven, was, seven points late in the second half. There was one play in the second half where he got the ball on the baseline, got his shot blocked, got it back, got it blocked again, and they called a jump ball on the tie-up. And it was just like, ugh. You know, that's they, they kind of got him figured out right now. I think the word is out on how to guard Big Oscar for them. But Kentucky will go back to the drawing board, and they need a couple of wins here. 865-546-8200. Bear, do we have any calls? No, sir. All right. Uh, a couple lines available. If you want to jump in, go ahead and take a shot. We are going to be joined by Lucas Panzica coming up here in just a few moments. Josh Pate of the Lake Kick. 
YouTube show and popular college football podcast will join coming up here in hour number three on the program. Always enjoy visiting with JP. Tennessee's uh, coordinators met with the media today. New offensive coordinator Joey Halsley and defensive coordinator Tim Banks talking with the press today. Uh, was watching a little bit of Banks's interactions. He says that he thinks everybody in the secondary will be available, which is pretty much the opposite of what they had last spring practice. He says the two biggest priorities for the defense this spring are improving how they disrupt the quarterback with their front four and tightening up pass coverage in the secondary. So I don't think it takes a rocket surgeon to, to figure out that Tennessee's got to find some defensive back play if they're going to take another step forward next year. Yeah. Halsley pretty much stuck to the script. I did think uh, he appeared to be pretty fired up over Cam Seldon. Did not say what position he would begin at, although it certainly sounds like they're going to start the four-star from Virginia off at running back next year or in, in spring. And he'll have a chance to, to make a little bit of a dent with Jabari Small out for the spring. A couple Tennessee football notes for you here is spring practice just about six weeks away, gentlemen. Looking forward to it. Baseball starting up. Got a little bit warmer this week. Got that first early taste of uh, spring. Beautiful. Let's get Will in here. Will, you're on the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, good afternoon. Before I get to the point of why I wanted to call, I wanted to chime in about the cell phone and videoing the moment conversation. Yeah. I'm probably I'm probably as addicted to my phone as anybody else. I'm not speaking from a high horse, but I did make a conscious decision when we lined up to kick that field goal and the score was 49 to 49. I made a conscious decision to keep my phone in my pocket. Yeah. And just watch it. And that thing that, that must memory, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I told my, I was sitting with my wife and I said, let's just take this in. And yeah. it's, it's seared like a movie in my mind. I will never forget it. And That's cool. Yeah. The video never does it justice after the fact anyway. So that's going to be my new MO moving forward is just, just take it in, see what you remember. Yeah, that'll be okay. You'll, uh, you'll be surprised what you'll remember sometimes. So I would imagine though, I, I was watching on TV was just like, did everybody have their phone out at that moment? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes a great video. You get like your reaction, I suppose, but yeah, everybody around me and then, and then the just chaos erupts and you know, it was, uh, I was, I just kind of like morphed onto the field. I never even made a conscious decision to go down there. It was just what a moment. I, uh, won't ever forget it. Um, but what I wanted to call about was, was the conversation yesterday with, uh, great basketball players. And I got into a little bit of a, a wormhole just looking around and a rabbit hole. And, uh, I started thinking about, uh, great players from Ohio, which led me to great think about great players from Tennessee. And I was pretty shocked with what I found on great players born in Tennessee you guys have a, a guess for who's the who's the goat oh, yeah. born in the volunteer state? The big O. Yeah, I, I mean I'm thirty two, so I, I don't 
I have no context of him other than uh, just what you hear. But I did not know he was born in Tennessee. And uh, yeah, and the Oscar second thing Robertson I... was. I don't think he lived here long, but he was born somewhere in the Nashville area, right? Yeah, it's at Charlotte. I don't even know where that is. Yeah, I think he, he was born somewhere in the Charlotte area and then moved to, uh, I think, Cincinnati or uh, when when he was growing up and obviously played for the um, – who did he uh, – the, the Bucks, right? He Milwaukee? Played- I think he was, I think he was like pre-merger even. So okay, I think he, he yeah, he played, played for the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Royals and, and played at Cincinnati yeah. College at, at UC. He was a Bearcat and then played uh, for the Cincinnati Royals and the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, but I thought that was pretty cool in a, in a not-so-basketball-rich state that we have a top 10, top 15-type player from the state. Um and then the second thing that was kind of staggering on that list, I just kind of sorted it by NBA games played. And uh, there are not many guys who went to UT, played basketball at UT on that list. I, mm-hmm. I scrolled down, and the first name I recognized was uh, 56 on the list of games played was Marcus Hayslip. And there's, it's littered with Kentucky guys and, of course, Memphis guys. Um, but, yeah, we, we have not – had that homegrown product really which is really interesting to see at least go into the nba yeah uh you're right i mean i'm trying so hayslip has the most nba appearances of any player who was born in tennessee and played at ut uh somebody might have to double check my work but that was i have pretty good basketball knowledge for ut but that sure. was hayslip yeah, I mean, can you think of anybody who would be higher? Oh, born in Tennessee. Born in Tennessee yeah. and played at UT. Wow. I wouldn't have. I mean, we've had, like, you know, we've had a lot of guys, uh, you know, obviously uh, Penny Hardaway played for a long time in the league. Um, Made him play Tennessee. Uh, Ron Mercer at Kentucky. Um, Lou Tony Williams Delk. was first on that list. He's. Who? He's either active or retired last year. Lou Will, six man, extraordinaire. He played. He's from Tennessee. He has more games than Oscar. Actually, he's he's born in Tennessee. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting list. If you're kind of a nerd like that, definitely go go check it out. I'm uh, pulling it up right it. now. That's that's wild. Hey, uh, Will, we got to run, man. Thank you. Interesting stuff. All right. Yep. Take care. See you. When we continue. Our good friend, Lucas Panzica, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, joins the festivities. Tennessee Vanderbilt at Memorial tonight. We'll get widespread thoughts on the game coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. The drop. Fan Run Radio Drive continues. Russell Barrett Marcus back with you here on the drive. Let's head back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines where Lucas, widespread Panzeca, 104.5 The Zone and Titans Radio in Nashville, standing by. LP, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, guys. I am fantastic. How are you guys? Doing well, thank you. Vols in Nashville tonight struggling Vanderbilt any reason for 
Vol fans to be concerned about this evening? There shouldn't be, other than, I guess, law of averages and a streak ballooning up to 11 now against Vanderbilt and Tennessee obviously not shooting the ball terribly well. Um, so, no, everything on paper tells you that Tennessee should come in and take care of business. But, like, how long can this streak last? I don't think – Tennessee hasn't lost to Vanderbilt on the basketball court since I was a junior in college uh, in the uh, in the uh, palatial studio at Fan Run Radio. <laughs> 13 of the last 14, 11 in a row, six in a row at Memorial. Um, all good things come to an end, but I would think that it would have to be a better Vanderbilt team than this to to bring about an end to this streak. And I go back to that Alabama game, Lucas, and, you know, that's just the kind of loss. I, I know they beat Ole Miss over the weekend, and I think Kermit Davis is, is getting fired, so I'm not really sure what happened there. Yeah. But, um, like, y- you lose by 58 to anybody. <laughs> That's a season-defining, program-defining, coach-defining loss. I don't know that you bounce back from that. That that loss, that performance, obviously was utterly abysmal. But as a whole, it's interesting how Vanderbilt basketball has gotten to this place of from the end of the Bryce Drew era, uh, where they were talented, but uh, obviously going winless in SEC play, just bottom of the barrel. And, and they've got it up to this level with Stackhouse of mediocrity. I feel like every time I look at Vanderbilt's record, they're 500. Uh, they're 11 and 12 right now. But I, I guarantee you, Russ, regardless of what happens tonight, like a week from today, they're going to be back at 500. They are so 500, it hurts. So I'm, at some point, they're going to have to ask themselves uh, what they want out of their basketball program. So 500, it hurts. That seems like, I mean, that that's kind of a Nashville thing, right? Go back to the Jeff Fisher days, the, the Titans are – kind of a 500 type team through the years. Is that a recurring theme or something for music city? I guess so. Maybe that is what it is. Uh, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Does that sting a little Lucas? I, I, I forgot. I, I still consider you one of us, but you are technically a Nashvilleian now. No, no. Look, I, I've always, I've always been both. I've always been both uh, a <laughs> Nashvilleian born a uh, Tennessee person, but uh, no, I think the the Fisher years are, are, uh, we're removed from them enough to where the pain uh, has, has pretty much dissipated from from that mediocrity at the tail end. Although some of it was brought back, I don't know if y'all saw the thirty for thirty, the bullies of Baltimore, uh, where the Titans are featured heavily during that Ravens Super Bowl run. Uh, that certainly brought back some painful memories for Titans fans and, and some people that I work with here that were on the field that day. <laughs> yep, yep, that was quite the rivalry back in the day, Lucas. You mentioned. It's been so long since Vanderbilt's had any success in this rivalry. But for us old timers, I mean, Vanderbilt, first of all, it's always been a tough place to play in Memorial Gym. But they've even won here in Knoxville a lot. I mean, it's just been a chippy, hard fought, everything you would want in an in-state rivalry. Right. But here's the thing uh, with me. I just don't see it with Stackhouse. Yeah. Like he got the extension before the season. So I guess that makes it harder to move on if you really wanted to. But, um, I, you know, uh, what do you think the fans are going to be like tonight? Do you think that there's going to be more orange than black and gold in Memorial this evening? Yeah, probably pretty similar. I'll be there tonight. I was there last year, too, uh, when Tennessee came to Memorial Gym. And th- there was more black and gold than I anticipated uh, from Vanderbilt a year ago, like, like a little less apathy than I anticipated. Cause I, think I think they show up for the Tennessee game. Uh, but certainly a, a heavy dose of Tennessee fans. The student section was practically non-existent the last time I was in there. 
So I, I think it'll be about the same. And the Stackhouse thing is interesting because he gets a lot of praise from fellow coaches. It seems like a lot of the ideas and the sets they run uh, are, are should work on paper, but there's just something missing with that program right now. And it's always the thing of, you know, a coach that's working under an athletic director that didn't hire him. Like Malcolm Turner was an outside-of-the-box hire as the Vanderbilt athletic director, and he made an outside-of-the-box hire in basketball with Jerry Stackhouse. And now Candace Story Lee is running the show, and uh, they, they just haven't gotten over that 500 hump under Stackhouse. I, I truly, though, it's so hard to gauge Vanderbilt athletics sometimes yeah. and w- what their standard actually is. Yeah. Uh, because I, I have no clue what it would take for Stackhouse to get fired. If it would mean bombing the rest of the season and, and finishing you know, eight games below 500, one and done in the SEC tournament in that very first round, or, or if, they, if they just kind of you know, petered out at 15 and 15 or whatever, maybe won a game in the SEC tournament, would he come back? Truly, I have no idea. I don't know what their expectation is, and I think that's probably the, a cause of a lot of frustration for Vandy fans. Yeah, and you know, the, you look at Vanderbilt. I, I don't think anybody expects them to ever be consistently competitive in, in football. Certainly not in this iteration of the SEC, with as cutthroat as it is. But they they've got that baseball program, and they've always had a, a decent men's basketball team. But uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Lucas. Is like, what are the expectations? It's like, what what do you guys want to be? And they've had a revolving door in athletics in the athletics director chair for for a while. Something Tennessee fans know about all too well. That's it's always hard to establish something there. But um, it just you know with Stackhouse, it doesn't seem like that program is going anywhere anytime soon. You mentioned the extension they gave him before the season. Is it safe to say that they're just kind of in a holding pattern for the foreseeable future? I think so. Um... Who do they have next? I'm going to pull up Vanderbilt's schedule. Because the problem, too, is the, the memorial magic that used to, to bother Tennessee fans and Tennessee basketball is, has completely dissipated. I mean, that's just gone. Uh, there just has not been a good environment in that building since I don't know when. They play Florida. They're at Florida next. Then they're at South Carolina. Then they host a, an Auburn team that struggled recently. And they go to LSU. They still have to play Kentucky down the stretch. So, uh, depending on what happens tonight, it really sets up for them to be right around that 500 mark to close out the season. And then it's just going to be a crossroad for them as a program because, you know, under Stallings, they had yeah, at least knew the baseline of, okay, get to the tournament, be competitive in the rivalry with Tennessee, a good home court advantage, one of the more unique college basketball venues, at least in the Southeast. And all of that is just gone. It's out the window. And they, that program just doesn't really have an identity right now. Last year, they, they, at least had Scottie Pippen. The results weren't that much better, and they went on a nice little NIT run. But they, they had a guy that, that you know, w- would at least give that program a little bit of juice. They don't even have that anymore. So, so I don't know. I don't know where Vanderbilt basketball is headed. Uh, I don't even know how attractive of a job that is for an up-and-coming coach that would maybe have options elsewhere. But, uh, but I know that, you know, under Jerry Stackhouse, the sample size so far shows us the ceiling doesn't look terribly high. I think Kevin Stallings' show cause is almost up if they wanted to get the band huh. back together. Yeah, when did, how long was Kevin Stallings' show cause? My goodness, they really just, they really slapped that guy with just an ultimate penalty after going winless at Pittsburgh. I don't know, but it is kind of comical that that guy cannot coach, and Bruce Pearl is still. I, I guess Pearl served his time too, but uh, there's something, I guess, poetic about that. Lucas Widespread Panzeca 
is with us here this afternoon, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And uh, Lucas, you look at Tennessee last week. Uh, they had a rough week, losing at Florida, and then one of the uglier wins you'll ever see in college basketball against Bruce Pearl and Auburn on, on Saturday. Those were two pretty good defensive teams. If you go by the Ken Palm rankings, Vanderbilt is not a good defensive team. Neither is Saturday's opponent, uh, Missouri, if you go by Ken Palm. Do you expect Tennessee's offense to look a li- at least a little bit better tonight in Nashville? I expect it to because it can't possibly look that bad for three games in a row, right? I mean, it just can't. I, I, how, how do you guys feel about this? I, I feel like the shots have been fine. The shot selection, for the most part, I, I, I'm not usually yell, sitting there yelling at the TV uh, you know, yelling at them to move or, or to share the basketball or, or to do any of those things. I, I feel like the sets they're running are, are opening up good opportunities. And we've talked about their lack of that, you know, give me the ball, I'm going to go score guy. But I feel like they're getting the shots up. They're just not going down. And the last two games, especially not going down. My bigger concern out of the Florida game was the stretches they gave up on defense. The 15-0 run they gave up and then the 13-0 run to really let Florida run away with it late in the second half. Uh, they c- completely clamped down on Auburn defensively, but the shots, I mean, the percentages were even worse. So at some point, I feel like that has to average out, but it also doesn't really give you that much confidence for Tennessee uh, that they're going to be this juggernaut on offense. I feel like that's not going to happen at any point. this season. You know, it's a big one tonight for the balls to uh, show that last week was an aberration and that they can't put the ball in the bucket uh, against overmatched competition. Lucas, let's talk about the Titans here for a second. Tim Kelly announced as offensive coordinator. What's the reaction to that been on the zone and in Nashville on the whole? I think the initial reaction from Titans fans was a little underwhelmed, uh, which is ironic because they were screaming for Tim Kelly to take over for Todd Downing throughout the entirety of 2022. But as the process went along and, and, it was a very tight-lipped process from the Titans. Almost no information got out. But you started to see names like Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy floated out there. Titans requesting to interview those guys. You do the association with the Chiefs and what they've done on offense. And, and I think fans got themselves a little bit excited for a big splash move like that. And then ultimately it comes back to Tim Kelly, who was probably always the favorite to begin with. Mike Vrabel has it, you know a tendency to to hire in-house. And I think even some of the moves he made outside of Kelly, because there were a bunch, Rush. It wasn't just elevating Kelly to offensive coordinator. Uh, Charles London, the quarterback's coach in Atlanta, they interviewed him to be the offensive coordinator. And and obviously they elevate Kelly. They still bring in London to be the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, which is the role Kelly had last season. They moved Pat O'Hara, who was the quarterback's coach, to an analyst role. They moved Tony Deuce from running backs to tight end, just moving furniture around. Yeah. And now you're going into 2023 with 10 coaches that are either new to the staff or working under a different role. And Tim Kelly is one of the latter, working under a different role. But it feels like this is all very strategic for Mike Vrabel, having that succession plan in place for basically every position. He, he promoted his assistant offensive line coach to take over as the permanent uh, you know, an offensive line head coach, for lack of a better term. So it feels like there's this plan in place for, hey, if it doesn't work out with Tim Kelly or, or if it really works out and he moves on, then Charles London's sitting there waiting in the wings, the guy that you considered the last time around. By the way, Titans considered Tim Kelly the last time around when they hired Todd Downing. Uh, they just weren't granted permission to interview him. 
by the Texans. So this all feels very strategic by Mike Vrabel, keeping things in-house as much as he possibly can, breeding a farm system, if you will, of coaches in that building uh, as they move forward. But I do think the Kelly hire was, I'll say, uninspired uh, just because of the – the way Titans fans got themselves excited when some of those names came up like the enemy and Nagy, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a good hire. And it's very clear. Mike Vrabel wants to stick to the principles that, that they've held on offense ever since he took over. Yeah. It's also clear that Mike Vrabel very much has carte blanche, right? This does not reek of Rand Carthon in his ear or even Amy Adams drunk saying you need to do this, Mike, you need to freshen things up. It's this, this makes you feel like, you know, even more so that Carthon's brought in to be his right-hand man more so than the other way around. It feels that way uh, because because of the, you know, the totality of these coaching moves. And I've never seen a press release like that. Uh, like Titans elevate Tim Kelly as offensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, they did all of this. And it's the longest press release I think I've ever gotten from the Titans describing every coach, whether they're new or they've already been in the building in their new role. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is Mike Vrabel's show 1,000%. I do think, you know, Carthon's not brought in just to be a puppet. I think there is value to bringing Carthon in. He was the sort of splashy hire that that I think fans wanted out of the offensive coordinator search because that's a guy from San Francisco who's done a lot of winning lately. You know, a run-first offense still with a lot of principles under Shanahan that that have consistently been one of the better offenses in the league, even with a guy like Brock Purdy at quarterback. So teams want all of that. And I think there will be a true – I feel like I can't even use this word anymore because it's been so overused, but I feel like there will be a true collaborative effort between those two when it comes to decision-making within the roster and personnel. But I think there's no question with the coaching staff and and on the field and in season, it is 1,000% Mike Vrabel's show. Well, and good coaches do that, right? You talk about building a farm system where – if Tim Kelly does well, you promote London and, and so on and so forth. I mean, that's what Josh Heupel's done here in Knoxville. Right? Yeah. Everybody's uh, like, who are you going to hire? He keeps promoting guys from within. And Alex Golish gets a head coaching job. You bring up Halsley. And you can already kind of see down the road, right? If if things continue to go well in Knoxville, Joey Halsley might be, you know, getting the call up to the big leagues a couple of years down the road. You know, does, does Ablin move over into that chair, you know, who, who's next to be the, the next quarterbacks guys probably already on the staff. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you guys, like what was the response? You know, I, I saw a certain response from Tennessee fans here and, you know, people I still keep in touch with over there. I mean, is it a similar response when it comes to, yeah, that could be a good hire. And if you want to keep it in house, great, but also uninspiring because you're looking for a guy that, you know, is, is someone that already has all those connections in recruiting that is known and at least has that experience as a recruiter of which Ablin does not have. So like of all the things I said about Tim Kelly, like, well, it could work out and he's going to do what, you know, Josh Heupel wants him to do just like Brable's going to do, uh, or Kelly's going to do what Brable wants him to do, uh, but an uninspiring element to it, because whenever there's an open position there, there's always going to be that want for, for something kind of splashy. Well, I, I think there are two things going like, I, I think that most Tennessee fans, love Josh Heupel at this point and they're like, yeah, dude, you, yeah. you do whatever you want to do, man. You, we trust you. You, you just keep doing your thing. Keep putting up those big numbers and, and it's all good. I think the recruiting board message board crowd are like, you know, they want the big name, the hired gun to go out there and, and get the five stars and everything. So like you might hear 
a little bit of negativity from that crowd, but it's it's just louder, right? Because it's it's yeah. like this basketball thing, Lucas. You go to Thompson Bowling Arena this weekend for that Missouri game and just walk around the concourse and poll people about Rick Barnes. I love him, man. I love this team. I love this program. We love coming to games and all this stuff. But you go on Twitter and it's like, geez, man, like these Tennessee fans sure seem ungrateful, but it just sort of, I think it's a distorted thing. And like, you have to keep that in mind, right? I'm sure you guys talk about that at the zone and like the people who call the show are not necessarily representative of the fan base as a whole, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and Hypo obviously has not done anything to warrant a Tennessee fan saying like, oh, no, I don't really trust him to make this move. You know, so far, everything he's done is kind of, yep, let the guy do his thing. Look where he's taking us in year two. And I think there was an element of that, and there still is, certainly within portions of the Titans fan base with Vrabel. There is that portion of, no, that dude can do whatever the hell he wants. That, that is the coach of the year. That is a guy that if we let go of today would get snapped up with the snap of a finger tomorrow. Um, but I also think that there is a, kind of an overarching feel of, of one eyebrow starting to get raised at Vrabel. Of, well, we know you're a good coach, and we know that, that, you can, that you can do this at a high level, and you know the rule book better than anyone, all those things. But, you know, but is there maybe a little too much control in this? Are you maybe a little too married to, to these certain principles, especially on offense? And, and any time you go through something like the Titans went through, of a seven-game losing streak and back-to-back years leading the league in injuries, those eyebrows are going to get raised. So there is not that totality of, yep, just do your thing, man. We're, we're just here to back you like there is with Heupel. Uh, but uh, there, there's no doubt. I think Titans fans uh, still have, have confidence in Mike Vrabel. But this year will be very telling with that. If you see kind of a similar movie, so to speak, in 2023, then those, those voices will certainly grow louder of, all right, man, you know, obviously something pretty big has to change uh, because it's the whole definition of insanity thing that it worked for a little bit, but it's not working anymore. And we're just kind of trying the same thing, if it were to work out like that. Hey, Lucas, last thing here for you. Marcus Young wanted me to ask you, if Aaron Rodgers comes out of his darkened room in a couple of days (laughs) and sees his shadow, is there any chance that means he gets traded to the (laughs) Titans for a year? Sees his shadow. That's a good one. I haven't heard that yet. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. We were joking about that today. Like, it's... Uh, number one, are there drugs involved here with Rodgers? Like, who's, what is he being fed through that two-way slot? Uh, is it ayahuasca? Is it regular food? Does he turn the lights on to, to actually see what he's eating? Or is he just blindly, you know, putting stuff in his mouth? I have no idea. And then if that is the case, while he's mulling this over, like, what's going through his mind? What is Mike Brabel saying to Aaron Rodgers in his dreams as he's sitting in that dark room? Like, is T-Rack, the Titans raccoon mascot, just floating across the black screen of Aaron Rodgers' mind. I don't know what, what's going to be going through his head. But when he comes out, I want him to come out to a big crowd of people waiting on bated breath for what he's going to say and a long pause just for him to just take a deep breath and say, Jets. And then the crowd just goes wild. <laughs> awesome. Following in the footsteps of Brett Favre more than we could possibly imagine. Let's just yeah, hope we don't end up seeing you know pictures of his wiener on on the uh, message board. That would be bad. Uh, Lucas, bet you didn't expect you'd hear me say the word wiener on our interview today, but uh, here we are. Always, uh, always an adventure. (laughs) At Lucas Pedzika on Twitter, 104.5 The Zone, Titans Radio Network. He's one of Fan Run's own, Lucas Pedzika. Thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate it, guys. Always enjoy it. See y'all. 
Lucas appears as all fan run guests do via the magic of the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. You could check out Big Orange Phillies tonight if you're looking for a place to watch the Vols and Vandy. Go get yourself a big old Philly cheesesteak sandwich at Big Orange Philly. 6625 Maynardville Pike and Halls. You'll be able to shoot pool, do a little darts or something during halftime. And uh, you can check out the full menu as well as the weekend entertainment schedule online. Their website, BigOrangePhillies.com. Got to take a quick time out. We'll be right back. The drive continues. More Fan Run Radio coming up. Fanrun Radio, the drive continues. 1057 FM, 1340 AM, streaming online, fanrunradio.com, your free fan run app, a variety of ways for you, yes, you, to experience the program this afternoon. Lucas Panzica of 104.5 The Zone. Bear, what did you learn? Uh, to me, the most interesting thing was the, the RAN, uh, the Carthon being Vrabel's show down there in Nashville now. So I think it's somebody that he brought in somebody that I don't, I did some research. It doesn't look like they ever crossed paths before, but I'd say just somebody he knows and feels like he can have a better working relationship than he did with, uh, with J Rob. They've known each other for a long time. I, I, I can't remember where they crossed paths, but I read somewhere where he, He's been talking to Carthon, I think, like for a while. I want to say like once a month or so for like years. Like he's just been just one of his those guys. guys have, yeah, like you don't get to be a head coach in that league without having a big wide network and, yeah. and knowing lots of people. So I'm pretty sure when they both played and they played in the same division, I think the pass cross there when Carthon was with Indy. Well, I'm pretty sure his Carthon's dad was a coach. For yeah. the Chiefs, when Vrabel was on, like they were different sides of the ball, but, he was but they the were in the staff. same organization. Yeah, when Vrabel was playing there, I forgot all about him playing with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Dude was a beast, wasn't he, man? Who Vrabes? Yeah, as a player. Yeah, played against uh, Tennessee. We we shut him down pretty good. Was he on that team? Oh yeah. Mike Rabel was a bad man on that nasty 1995 Ohio State team. Huh. He didn't like playing in the wet. He didn't that day. But we have uh, Josh Pate from the Lake Kick coming up here next hour on the show. It's been a while since we've visited with old Pate State. I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, it's... We we kind of we we get obsessed obsessed about this basketball thing, and our program is good enough to allow us to do that now. Yeah, and it's not like football's chopped liver at this point for Tennessee or anything like. But it's definitely been put on the back burner. So, but uh, if there's one person that follows college football twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year, it is oh. Josh Pate. He had a good. Twitter question earlier today. I want to pick his mind about it and see what he kind of landed on. But he asked the old, if you could change one play in college football the last 20 years, what would it be? Hmm. The last 20? Yeah. 
So this t- for like Tennessee's perspective, because I'm sure he'll have, you know, lots of Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, whatever submissions there that we don't necessarily think about right off the bat. But you take out the 01 SEC championship game of this e- equation, because I'm sure there was, you know, if, if Stallworth catches one of those bombs and we score another touchdown, maybe we we pull away from there. Maybe Travis Henry doesn't fumble. Maybe Julian Battle doesn't drop a pick six. We could go through. All of that here 22 years later, but I guess the last 20 years, you know, the Corey Anderson fumble at Alabama in 2005. The Mount Cody Mount miss. Cody, the block there. The missed uh, field goal at the end of the 15 Florida game that you never watched. Missed field goal. Yeah. Down there in the but swamp. The missed field goal in 2015 Florida, whatever happened there. Uh, you Probably a ton. The Oh, uh, well, th- that was 2001. I, w- I would say the hopnail boot for, for certain. Oh, what else? Uh, the Alabama game, was it, was it 15 or 16 where Calvin Ridley went up and just snag that ball like all-star guy like 15 feet in the air that one was pretty painful uh i'll give you one uh the play where hooker blew his knee out this year that'd probably be pretty close to the top of my yeah, list it probably wouldn't have changed the outcome of that game though but yeah i would have liked to have friend. gotten to see him and against vanderbilt and the orange bowl myself yeah I think he would have probably gotten invited to New York and all that. So that's just me personally, though. I'm sure we're missing a ton. Have you guys seen the previews for? It might be out in theaters now. Uh, this movie, Knock It, the ca- Knock at the Cabin. No. Is it scary? I don't like scary movies. I don't movies. know if it's scary. It's an M Night Shyamalan. Oh yeah, I have seen the previews for it. It'll be a bit it'll be a bit spooky. So the premise for those of you who don't follow such things is this family is at uh they're at a cabin in the woods on vacation and there's a home invasion by these religious fanatics perhaps and they tie up the family and they say you have if you you have to choose one of your family and kill them or the world is going to end and at first you think well these guys are clearly insane how do we get out of this but i guess they have like tv or phones and stuff and i think over the course of the movie or whatever like bad stuff starts happening plane crashes earthquakes like it looks like armageddon and you i guess you start to think Maybe these guys are right. Should we kill somebody? What do you think the deeper message is in there, Russ? I haven't thought about it at all. It's probably something really obvious. but Through the magnifying glass of media literacy. You know, this makes me think of that movie Cabin in the Woods. A little bit different twist on that. 
I watched like five minutes of that, and then no, no more. Oh, you 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 didn't see the end of Cabin in the Woods? What? No, I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't dude. like. I joke like I'm not no, really joking. You, you, I, I say I don't, don't watch. The pre- Go ahead. You, you you don't even understand, bro. The end of that movie so good huh. is like nothing you've ever seen before. Nothing you've ever experienced before. It's so wild, man. I can't. There's no way I could get to the end. Like we we kind of joke how I say I I, I, don't, I don't like depressing it being very movies scary or, and then I watch and, them but I'm not watching the cabin in the woods. I don't remember that movie being all that scary. I, I like and even the the ending was I don't think very scary. It was just weird. There's some gruesome moments at the end oh, for it's sure. Totally gruesome, but it, but it was like it was like over the top gruesome, not necessarily scary gruesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here here's my question, Bear. As we go to the top of the hour break here, Marcus will have your top five at five when we continue. Say the we're having our fan run uh, staff meeting and the psychos burst in. We got to kill somebody to save the world at fan run radio. Yeah. Who are we offing? Hickman. Wow. That didn't take long. I, I told you to wait and think about it during the break, man. I'll think about it. Can't you do anything? Stay with us. The drive continues. I love you, Adam. More Fan Run Radio coming up. <laughs> 